the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses raised, heads bowed down. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hi, everybody. If you haven't listened to the show in the past, the the show is in two parts, not equal parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to, to save assets from nursing home bills. But first, before we get into that, I would really like to thank the conservative parties of Brooklyn and Queens for the dinner they put on in, in July 23rd. We also like to thank uh, Joe Piscopo and Kevin McCullough for, you know, for being at the dinner. It was a lovely, lovely evening. Tom Long from Queens and Fran Velmarone from Brooklyn. Um, our friends were there from the, of course, Connors and Sullivan. Thank you, everybody, for being there. The Catholic War veterans were there. Legatus friends were there. We had people from the Civil War Roundtable. We had people from the American Legion. We had people from Boy Scouting. We had Daughters of the American Revolution. People from the Cathedral Club. And oh goodness, Salem Salem broadcast, they were they were just wonderful. Just wonderful. Jerry Crowley, um, I guess he pulled it all together. Joe Piscopo, I mean, goodness gracious, he got up there and for I don't know, five, six minutes was just being so nice to everybody. We said he'd do another and ten minutes if we wanted to. <laughs> but you know, I I didn't know where the time was going that night, so <laughs> Decline the offer. And Peggy Eason, our our wonderful singing friend, she sang the national anthem. Then she sang a very special song for Mike. Um, Monsignor Lepinto from Catholic Charities of Brooklyn, Queens. He was there. Um, he gave the the blessing for everybody. It was just a wonderful night. And Mike received the American Heritage Award. So thank you, thank you, our conservative party buddies. And, um, of course, I'm very proud of Mike. So it was a lovely evening. Thanks to the conservative parties of Brooklyn and Queens for giving me the honor. Thanks for everybody who showed up that night. It was it, it was a great evening. Meanwhile, getting Hooray. back to, 
getting back to estate planning, we have one of our attorneys on the air right now. And tonight, or today, our show is going to be about, in good part, about Staten Island. And Staten Island has a, a little bit of an interesting history. A lot of famous people lived in Staten Island in the, in the middle of the 19th century. Why? I have no idea. But there are a lot, I mean, John Fremont, first, first candidate. For president of the United States on the Republican line, uh, Santa Ana, the guy who killed all the Texas guys at the Alamo, Winfield Scott, not Winfield Scott Hancock, Winfield Scott lived in Staten Island, I think, for part of the time. And Garibaldi lived in Staten Island for part of the time. So what all these people were doing in Staten Island, I have no idea. I find it intriguing that Santa Ana was able to live in Staten Island in peace for a number of years because you'd think somebody would be out to get him after the Alamo, but... I guess we had a very tolerant society today, not like not, not like today, where you know nobody's listen willing to listen to to anyone. But in, in the meanwhile, we have one of our new attorneys in the show, Mike Denusis. Mike, can you just introduce yourself a little bit? Yes, thank you, Mr. Connors, for having me on. Uh, I'm a lifelong Staten Islander. I live in Dongan Hills. Uh, before joining Connors and Sullivan, I spent eight years as a prosecutor. Uh, five and a half years in the Bronx District Attorney's Office and the past uh, two and a half years in the Richmond County District Attorney's Office. The past month, I've been working at Connors and Sullivan uh, and learning uh, a lot of the estate uh, litigation. You know, we're going to start off with some easy questions there. Can you read uh, an estate question that we got through the uh, email? Yes. The question I have here is, what is the difference between a healthcare proxy and a power of attorney and what are you able to do with each document? Okay. Now, a healthcare proxy is where you appoint an agent, again, usually a family member, doesn't have to be, to make medical decisions on your behalf if you can't speak for yourself. Um, you know, that was the, the problem in the Terry Schiavo case. She's a relatively young woman, 35 years of age. She goes into a coma. Her husband has one set of ideas of how she should be treated. Her parents has a different set of ideas, and it takes the courts 14 years to resolve the matter. You can avoid that with a healthcare proxy. You choose the person to make those decisions if you can't speak for yourself. PAV attorney. PAV attorney is for financial decisions and real estate and whatever. PAV attorney means that if, if you give PAV attorney to someone, they can sign your name to different documents. What documents? A lot depends on what you want to give them. In most cases, if you have children, you implicitly trust your children or your spouse. We make the PAV attorney unlimited. So basically, anything you could do, they can do. Now, is that for everybody? No. Sometimes we have limitations in there. And, and why do we want a PAV attorney? Because there's no automatic right between husband and wife to sign each other's name in New York. Let's say, God forbid, husband has a stroke. He has to go to a nursing home. We want to sell the house. We want to get the house out of the husband's name so the nursing home can't put a lien on the house. We want to switch it over to the wife's name. Well, we can't do that if the husband's mentally incompetent, let's say, because of a stroke. We just can't, wife cannot just sign her husband's name. Yes, she can go to the bank. She can make a withdrawal from a bank, but she can't switch the deed of the house from husband and wife to wife without her husband's signature. Let's say she wants to access her husband's IRA. Now, IRA accounts are exempt from Medicaid liens, but at the same time, you may want to use them to pay some bills, to move them, switch the investment. You can't do that unless you have a PAV attorney if the person's mentally not competent to sign his or her name. PAV attorney can be exceedingly important. Sometimes if you don't have a PAV attorney, what do we have to do? We have to go to court. And the court system by its nature is slow. And easily something, even what you might consider routine, might take six, seven, eight months. If you're talking about six, seven, eight months in a nursing home, $15,000 a month, and that is the average cost of a nursing home right now in the New York City area. So if you're waiting for a judge to sign an order to transfer assets from husband and wife to wife, 
in through the court system, it takes six months. That's $90,000 that may be wasted, may be thrown away. And the only way you can prepare against that is do a power of attorney. Again, you can have limitations on the power of attorney. You can say nobody can use the power of attorney unless a medical doctor states that I'm not mentally competent to handle my own affairs. You can give a power of attorney to two people where both of them have to act. But the main thing is to have something in place. God forbid you have a stroke or another disabling illness. You want somebody in place. You want a family member. You got to ask yourself this question. Who do I trust more, my family or the court system? And I hope you trust your family more than the court system. So if if you want to talk about doing a power of attorney, a health care proxy, Connor Sullivan, other legal documents, please come in and give us a call at 718-238-6500. Again, tonight is Staten Island night on, on Ask the Lawyer, and we're going to be talking to one of our favorite financial planners, Bill Marco, and he's going to be talking about his little bit of knowledge of, of Staten Island. We're also going to be talking to Councilman Joe Borelli, and he's going to talk more about the history of Staten Island. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a few minutes. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. But if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Each week we take a a question from Kevin McCullough, or Kevin McCullough takes a question from our audience, and he he answers it on his show. But Chris, can you do me a favor? Because I never forget, I, I always forget these things. How does somebody email us a question? How do they ask us a question to be answered on the show? It's actually easier than you think. All you have to do is email Mike at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Okay, and if somebody wants to like us on, on Facebook, how do they do that? That's even easier. All you have to do is go on the Facebook page. That's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. That's on Facebook and like it. There's a button that says like with a little thumbs up. Click it and you've liked the page. Imagine that. 
<laughs> which seems so hard for some of us. <laughs> right. Now, do we have events up on that? We have a lot of events. We have the seminar pages, events. We have uh, past videos. So, well, videos actually of slideshows with past interviews on them that, that are all on our YouTube channel. So that's a lot of fun, too. We also can uh, find out who's going to be on the upcoming programs, what you're doing out and around town, and other Connors and Sullivan things as well. Now, do we have the fundraiser that we have for Nicole Maliotakis for Congress up there? Uh-oh. We have it. We do. Okay. So can you tell us something about it? It's going to be on August 10th at our house. You know, because of uh, restrictions we have in our house, you'll only be able to see about 1,500 military miniatures on display. But if you do come to the office, you can see thousands because there are less restrictions, (laughs) you know, on Fifth Avenue than in the house because Beth has some unreasonable restrictions on displays on the first floor of our house on Ridge Boulevard. Well, listen, if anybody is interested, this is August 10th. And it's going to be from 7 to 9 o'clock at night. If you are interested, please call the office, 718-238-6500, and um, ask for Monica, and just say you're interested, and we'll take your name and send you the information, okay? All right. Now, as previously mentioned, we're going to turn it over to Kevin McCullough. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Each week, I promise you, you're going to get a question answered from Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan, the premier uh, estate planning and elder law firm in the New York Tri-State area. And in fact, if you're not familiar with him, you need to be, because when it comes to those very topics, he is the man. But speaking of that, Mike, uh, Joe writes this week and says, I hear that you specialize in estate planning and elder law. What's the difference between the two? Thanks. Sign Joe. What's your answer, Mike? Well, in one respect, there's really no difference. They work hand in hand. The idea ordinarily behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount of taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate. Elder law, we're, we're working more. We're trying, to, we're trying to have the same goals, but we want to also protect assets from medical bills, nursing home bills, and in some cases get people the benefits that they deserve You know, when they have a crisis situation and they may have to go to a nursing home or they need home care at home. They work together, though. You know, for most middle-class people, we're doing estate planning and elder law. Somebody who's worth millions and millions of dollars, we may only be doing estate planning. Somebody who's poor, maybe we're just working on, uh, you know, on elder law. All right. So, uh, Joe, I hope that's helpful. If you've got a question about anything related to estate planning or elder law, again, Connors & Sullivan, the premier law firm that can help you uh, accomplish that, and uh, there's an easy way to be in touch with them. Set up an appointment by 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or send them your questions. Uh, they can be answered here on Kevin McCullough Radio or on Mike's own show, Ask the Lawyer, Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 570, The Mission, and Sunday mornings at 11 on AM 970 the answer ask mike connors at gmail.com to do that ask mike connors at gmail.com or again you can call and ask your question directly 718-238-6500 that's 718-238-6500 mike connors thanks so much thank you kevin and by the way it's my understanding that kevin's going to be over at our house on august 10th for nicole's you know bid for congress so kevin's a big fan of nicole he's had had her on the show many times uh, well, get, getting back to uh, estate planning questions, Mike, you have a pretty simple question there, but can you read it to us for the for the audience? Yes. The question is, what does an executor do? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes in some cases we spend too much time talking about an executor because an executor is the person you appoint in the will 
to carry out the terms of the will. But if we're doing a good estate planning, we don't want the executor to do anything. We want to avoid probate. You see, the executor gets appointed by the court, and the executor, in effect, reports the court. Sometimes it's, it's pretty uh, simple reporting, but the executor reports the court. Ordinarily, we don't want our estate to go through probate. We don't want it to go through court. So we don't want the executor to do anything. If we have real estate, we want the assets in trust. If we have bank accounts, we want it in trust for joint. If we have you know, insurance policies, annuities, brokerage accounts, we want beneficiaries, transfer on death, payable on death, and trust for. We want to avoid probate on those assets. So we don't want the executor to do anything. Too many times somebody says, okay, well, you know, my son's going to be the trustee of my house, which is fine, great, and good. The other question is, well, who's going to be your executor? And they, you know, think that it's it's somehow different. The, the job of the trustee and the executor are pretty much the same. It's the same job. It's just a different title. And 90, 95% of the time in our planning, we do not want the executor to do anything. We want to avoid probate. We want to keep it out of court. So the executive's job is maybe just take care of the loose ends, a check that's in the mail, maybe sell the car. Maybe there's some furniture in the house. Maybe we have to deal with the landlord and close out the apartment. And that'll be the job of the executor. Now, at the same time, if you don't have any close relatives, you're leaving everything to charity. The executor may carry out all the terms, if you will, to make sure, let's say, your assets get to charity or your nephews and nieces or whatever else. But here's the thing. Sometimes some people think, well, I don't need a will because everything I have is joined and trust for, and, you know, I've taken care of it. That's not true. Everybody needs a will because something could always pop up. Again, you could have a car. You could have a checking account. You forget to put somebody else's name on it. You could have furniture in your apartment. You can have, you know, a last tax return that needs to be filed. Collect a refund check. You may be involved in an accident case. You know, maybe you're in a car accident. You pass away. There's a lawsuit after you're gone. That's what the executive would do handle up, you know, these things that happen. And no matter how well you plan things, something could always happen. You might end up going through probate when you don't want to go through probate just because the way things are. Sometimes you might have all your bank accounts joint with your son, but God forbid your son dies before you. Then we may have to go to probate to get those assets to whoever your name beneficiaries on your will. So everybody needs a will, but we want to plan things that we won't go through court. We won't go through probate. And that's what we do at Connors and Sullivan. Again, if you want to give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, give us a call. We do not charge for the initial consultation. The first consultation is free. Now, again, today is Staten Island Day, so we're going to be talking to Bill Marco and Joe Borelli. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash F Melia. Once again, call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. 
Frank Milia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit ccbq.org. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now, I have two guests from Staten Island. One, Joe Borelli, city councilman from Staten Island, who's probably been on every other show on this station except this one. So welcome to the show, Joe. This is my uh, AM 970 birth uh, <laughs> baptism by fire on the Connor and Sullivan show. It's great. Right. And also we have our friend Bill Marco from Allied Securities, first Allied Securities. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Good to be here. Now, what we're talking about is uh, we spend a lot of time on the show talking about history, but I don't think we ever really talked a lot about the history of Staten Island. You know, we, we, we've done the Battle of Brooklyn and, and some other things in Manhattan and, and so forth, but never never Staten Island. And is, is there any history out there in Staten Island, Joe? <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it probably goes back further than most counties uh, in the United States of America, if you consider uh, that, that Verrazano uh, in 1524 uh, first crossed through the Narrows. Uh, of course, uh, uh, and encountered some some natives uh, in in Lower Hudson Bay, um, and then in 1609 uh, Henry Hudson actually put ashore here, and uh, there's uh, some there's some uh, question whether or not uh, one of his sailors was murdered here or whether he was murdered uh, in in New Jersey, uh, but it was the site of uh, sort of the the earliest contacts between Europeans uh, and uh, and and the native uh, Lenape. And then, of course, during the Revolution, I know you mentioned the Battle of Brooklyn, Staten Island happened to be the longest occupied county in the, in, in the entire country. So there's a, there, there's a pretty rich history here, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's something worth telling. It's something that, that I always enjoy telling. Uh, and uh, it, it's a very unique place in that for most of its history, it was an independent county like every other. And then uh, after 1898, we were sort of swallowed up uh, by New York City, by greater New York. And with it went a lot of the discussion about our history as our own unique place. 
One of, one of the things I, over the years, I've been shocked to find out is the number of famous, world-famous people that were living in Staten Island in, in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so you, you had political dissidents, uh, you know, not, not big names, but from Germany, from Poland. Uh, but, of course, the, the big names are, are, are Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana, the, the president of Mexico, was here. Um, Aaron Burr, after uh, actually two days ago, was the uh, 215th anniversary of the of the duel at Weehawken between Burr and Hamilton, uh, and a lot of people don't realize it, but Burr did have a life after that. Uh, he tried to secede from the U.S. with the West. It was a whole big commotion, uh, but after all his his political activities were were done, he ended up living at the Port Richmond Hotel, uh, and uh, that's that's where he eventually died. And coincidentally, his wife finalized their divorce on the, on the same uh, day he passed away, and he died alone uh, in the building, and no was around and um, unfortunately the, the, the innkeeper was the only person there who had to close his eyes and kind of haul out the body and he was the vice president so it's a it's a really a fascinating thing of course there's Garibaldi Antonio Maiucci some, some of the bigger names um, but it's it, it, it for some reason Staten Island was uh, this attractive place for uh, political dissidents now as an Irish person you might know the name of Jerome uh, O'Donovan Rossa who was an Irish poet and one of the founders of the Fenian movement and he also lived here on Staten Island died here on Staten Island uh, and then his body was brought to uh, Ireland for burial and Patrick Pierce the 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 person who who led the Easter Rising uh, gave a very famous speech in Irish history at his funeral, uh, and a few months later, the Easter Rising happened. So we have this great, really great, unique uh, history um, that 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 goes back four centuries, and and not every county can say that. No, do you have any idea how Santa Ana? Now, this is the guy who killed all the people at the Alamo. You know, mm-hmm. not just President of Mexico. Why? Why does he? Do you have any idea why he gets to Staten Island, why he's staying there, and why does anybody try to kill him? Well, he, he comes here to raise money. Uh, he comes here to raise money for uh, uh, Mexican independence. Uh, and, and you know, we, we remember him for the Battle of the Alamo, but, but contemporaries did not remember him that way. In fact, I'm not sure of the date. This might have predated the Battle of the Alamo. But, um, you know, he came here to raise money, and and the most ironic thing to come out of his stay here was that he brought a plant named Chicle, uh, sort of like a rubbery plant, uh, to Staten Island, and an inventor on Staten Island turned it into chiclets, and this is where the modern chiclet uh, was born, uh, and that's a direct result of, of Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana uh, spending his time here. So it's it's pretty funny. We're also the, the birthplace of tennis. Now we're in competition with a few other places that that claim this, but we're actually the birthplace of lawn tennis in the United States of America. Uh, the Outerbridge family, uh, the same family who are the namesakes of the Outerbridge Crossing in Staten Island, although it's named after a specific one. Uh, but that family was responsible for bringing tennis uh, to the U.S. Uh, in the late 19th century, uh, after a woman named Eugenia uh, Outerbridge discovered it while uh, she was watching uh, British uh, soldiers playing on uh, Bermuda. So it's fun. Fun fact. Now, I always thought Outerbridge was just named out there because there was a bridge on the outer part of Staten Island. I didn't think it was somebody's name. No, no. It's, it's the name of the first Port Authority director. And uh, and they, they gave him a bridge. It's not even a good bridge. You, you would think if you were the director of the agency, they'd give you a good bridge. Uh, but it's an old uh, old rotting bridge that hopefully uh, in the next decade uh, we'll be replacing. Garibaldi, what do you know about Garibaldi being uh, being on Staten Island? That's a world famous figure. Yeah, 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 and especially for for Italians, he was here at, at, during two different points. 
uh, and, and of course lived with the inventor Antonio Maiucci, and and basically you know did the same thing as as Santa Ana tried to build up support for his uh, popular movement uh, back in Italy, uh, and uh, it, it's interesting because uh, so another person who was here uh, was Henry David Thoreau, and Thoreau actually wrote about uh, Garibaldi here uh, in, in some of his in some of his diaries and writings. Um, you know, and uh, Garibaldi, uh, w- his legacy was preserved in in the preservation of this house known as the Garibaldi Maiucci House, and it's a shame more people don't don't visit it, or, or perhaps it's a shame that the people who run it don't do enough. Who, who knows? Um, but it, it does uh, it does sort of uh, you know tie into the long history of Italian immigration uh, to this county, and and of course the Italians were were really the the later immigrants uh, to come to this county. I mean, it was populated by uh, mostly Germans uh, and uh, Irish immigrants uh, throughout the 19th century. You're a Republican. I think the first Republican candidate for president lived for a while in Staten Island, yeah, John yeah, Fremont. James Fremont. Yeah, yeah, John Fremont. Excuse me, John Fremont. Uh, and, and the birthplace of the Republican Party, or the not necessarily the birthplace, but the, the first organizational offices uh, were located on Staten Island before moving to um, Manhattan. Uh, but we we had a very notable uh, abolitionist uh, the the uh, the uh, oh uh, the name actually slipped me off the top of my head um, but the family whose son was the the star of the movie Glory uh, I forget the name uh, but he was uh, his his parents were here on Staten Island they were famous abolitionists as was George Curtis uh, we have Curtis High School named after him he was the Republican Party chairman uh, from the 1870s on uh, and and the abolition movement was very prominent in this county. Uh, and uh, it, it 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 led to the formation of the Republican Party, and the county has a rich Civil War history, even though no battles were fought here. Uh, many of New York's regiments were trained on a number of camps uh, in Newdorp, uh, in Rosebank, and there was there were actually several skirmishes between some of the Civil War soldiers. Uh, and some of the locals, there were our own draft riots uh, over the years uh, here, over the three years that a lot of soldiers were stationed here. So a, a lot, a lot of stuff, you know, a lot, a lot of interesting stuff uh, happened. I mean, in 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 the in the Civil War days, uh, just before that, just after that, um, it, it really is a history worth telling. Uh, and in my spare time, you know, I, I do my own research and my own writing, and, and this is always a topic I keep coming back to. 1898, Staten Island becomes part of the city. Any regrets about that? Tons of regrets. We should leave immediately. (laughs) Um, So if you look back to the purpose of consolidation, um, which was, you know, loosely to give the city a larger population so it would stay as the sort of financial capital of the country and not lose out to other developing cities, Uh, and secondly, to develop the waterfront uh, and connections between the the areas around New York Harbor. Um, Staten Island's waterfront was never really developed uh, like the other counties. I mean, and, and that's not unique to Staten Island. The reason Jamaica Bay uh, and uh, what was was basically annexed from Nassau County into into the new formed Queens was that they thought Jamaica Bay might end up being a a deep water harbor at some point. Uh, for for commercial and maritime uses, but that, that never happened either. But Staten Island really never got the benefit as the city developed uh, and it financed projects uh, that connected the other four boroughs. I mean, we have you know 16 bridges or so uh, that connect sort of that Manhattan, Queens, Bronx, uh, and 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 uh, Brooklyn, um, you know, East River uh, corridor. 
that never extended to Staten Island until the 1960s with the, the Verrazano Bridge. And by that point, it wasn't actually the city's municipality that built the bridge at all. It was, it was the consolidation of the MTA. Um, so, you know, we were left out of the economic development. At the time, uh, we, we were seen as a, 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 a place of great potential. Um, in 1871, we had some of these uh, big city commissioners come out here and write reports on what needed to be done to develop the island. Uh, and it's funny because most of the stuff they recommended vis-a-vis uh, water drainage and sewers and, and, and uh, transportation upgrades, it didn't even happen yet uh, from 1871. But the first bridge that crossed sort of from Jersey to New York, a uh, railroad bridge, actually happened on Staten Island. And it was where the Gothels Bridge is today. So there was some thought that the port of New York, uh, a lot of its operations would have been brought to Staten Island, where then the, the products could be shipped by rail uh, to the, the connections on, on the mainland. Uh, and it just never happened. It just never happened. And then, um, you know, the other reason for consolidation was the elimination of corruption. Uh, huh. But in the first election, the, uh, the, uh, the reformers lost. So it didn't even work out for them. Going back, how easy it was it get from Staten Island to Manhattan, pre-bridges, pre-motorized ferries and so forth? How, how, how did John Fremont get from Staten Island to Manhattan? Well, at Fremont's day, he would have uh, rode a steamship. Um, uh, and, and there were always multiple ferry connections between uh, the East Shore and North Shore of Staten Island and Manhattan and Brooklyn uh, and Jersey, for, for that matter. Uh, as well as other ferries from the South Shore to New Jersey, um, the the ferry industry was was uh, a tremendous industry, and there were several companies that operated uh, competing systems, uh, and the, the most successful ones were uh, operated by a guy named George Law, uh, who eventually St. George would be named after him. Uh, another guy named Erastus Wyman. Uh, who uh, ran a number of ferries uh, and then uh, eventually developed uh, the, the town of St. George and the railroad. Uh, and, of course, uh, Cornelius, Cornelius Vanderbilt, who was one of the first ones uh, doing it, uh, and uh, he, he made, uh, as, as the legend goes, his first uh, couple of dollars uh, transporting people via a sailboat uh, in the early uh, 19th century to and from Manhattan. Any regrets about the Verrazano Bridge going up? No, 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 no. None, none from my standpoint. You know, I mean, I, I didn't grow up here prior to uh, the bridge. Um, I guess the regret that we, we would have is that we, we agreed to have this bridge financed by the MTA uh, and not by another state agency. And the purpose of funding this through the MTA was to subsidize public transit. Uh, that subsidy went from, you know, a quarter of 50 cents with the old toll, and now we're up to, you know, $16. So we're paying a, you know, even with inflation, we're paying a disproportionately high share uh, of revenue for the MTA for a county that actually gets uh, the most limited service options for them. So it, that, that part of it's uh, unfair. Um, you know, do we need to build a wall, basically, and have a moat and not allow people to come on Staten Island? No, I, I don't think we, we, we should, and I think I'm glad there's a bridge there. Um, but it certainly hasn't been the, the most fruitful thing for Staten Island to have it operated by the MTA. All right. You personally, what's your next step politically? Well, I'm running for public advocate this year, uh, which is a, a remarkably useless position. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's on, on, it, it doesn't even warrant its own chapter in the city charter. Um, it's got the power to do practically nothing, uh, whereas most city uh, officials have uh, in the charter uh, requirements of, of their office. This uh, only says the public advocate may or should or could do things. Uh, so it, it's very limited in terms of its power. 
it's, uh, it's one function really is to serve as the first in line of succession should the mayor die. But, you know, given the amount of time uh, the mayor spends at the gym, I, I doubt he's going to have a heart attack any time soon. He seems to be in good shape. Um, so it's, it's an office I'm running for, and one of the things I'm pledging to do is, is either change the city charter to make the office worth something to the taxpayers or to eliminate the office overall. Either way, it takes a, a change of the city charter. Uh, but right now the city pays – this year it will pay – it will spend about $40 million in electing and staffing the public advocate's office. Uh, and that's just not worth uh, worth its weight in, in dollars to the taxpayer. Why did you decide to run? Um, you know, so there was a competitive election for public advocate, uh, the way the special election laws are written, uh, and we had to have an election at the next general election, which is November. And I, I believe in voter choice. I mean, it's a it's a seven to one Democratic enrolled uh, you know city, uh, so it's going to be an uphill fight. Uh, that's why you know you got you got you got to be talking about something creative and, and something that's out there, uh, and hope it catches on. Uh, but it's an uphill race, and I, I just believe that voters should have a choice, and and we should not have people who are, um, you know, we shouldn't have a government that's run solely by the progressive left. Uh, this is an office that ostensibly is a check on the mayor. Um, but, you know, when you have someone who's going to pull the mayor even further to the left, I don't think that's what the majority of New Yorkers want. Uh, yes, we are liberal in a progressive city. That, that, that's wonderful and all. Uh, but the left has gone so far in this city that it would be better if someone in government was not a crazy progressive leftist like Bill de Blasio and the current public advocate, Jumani Williams, etc. All right. Well, good luck to you on that one. Joe Borelli, thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you for telling us about, yeah, you know, learn, learn some things about Staten Island history. I love talking about it. So you have me on next time. Very good. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate taxes and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or Connors & Sullivan.com. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org.
Welcome back to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is, is Bill Marco, and we've been talking about Staten Island history. Bill, I, I learned a few things. I didn't know there was a real family called Outerbridge. Did you know that? I did actually read something about that with the uh, tennis and all. There's, there's a tremendous history, and it's unfortunate that most of the things you hear are negative stereotypes, so it was kind of refreshing to hear uh, some positive things that happened on the island and continue to happen on the island. Yeah, now just let, for your background, you're founder of Marco Wealth Management Strategy. Uh, securities offered through First Allied Securities Incorporated. It's a registered broker, dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. Correct. So what exactly does that mean? Well, we're, um, we consider ourselves a comprehensive wealth management. Um, what we do is uh, fairly unique. We focus on 13 wealth management issues. And, uh, Mike, that's kind of how I uh, work uh, very closely with your office occasionally because there's over 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 every day in this country, and they're looking for some sound planning, whether it be figuring out Social Security, Medicare planning, retirement planning, figuring out their legacy and passing that on to their children and their loved ones, and we work very comprehensive in that uh, in that regard. What should somebody be looking for? What Why would they come into your office? What would they want to accomplish? Well, the interesting thing is it's a great question because most of them come in because either they're retiring or they've had an inheritance uh, or they're looking for investments, and you know, investment certainly is a core part of what we do, but it's probably not where we start. The first thing we start with is making sure that beneficiaries are locked down, making sure the registrations of their assets, how they own their assets, how that's going to pass on to the next generation, looking at the tax ramifications of what they own and where they own it. And often, uh, and, and then we talk to them about their legal uh, uh, work. Do they have a power of attorney, a will, a health proxy? Uh, do they need a trust? Do they have any special needs? Is there any divorce? Uh, Social security claiming strategies, think, things like that. So we start going down that list, getting the foundation set up. Then we work with them on their retirement and their investment strategies and put together a uh, comprehensive wealth management plan that will uh, stay with them and provide a quality of life along the way and pass on to their loved ones in a tax-efficient manner. Now, you mentioned one thing, again, designated beneficiaries. It's extremely important. You know, there are a lot of people, a lot of times we end up getting paid work I'd rather not get paid for when somebody forgets to put a beneficiary on some of their investments or some of their assets or whatever. And we have to go to court and we have to go through probate. And sometimes it's not the biggest problem in the world if you got three kids and they all get along. But sometimes when families don't get along or we got missing relatives, probate can be a disaster. So it's extremely important to look at your beneficiaries. Indeed. And Mike, you probably know this uh, a lot better than I do, but uh, we've read stories and heard about where ex-spouses have inherited money or uh, second families because of the in, improper uh, titling of uh, beneficiaries. And um, that's very unfortunate. I've heard families fight over situations that could have been fixed by just uh, just identifying them, listing them, getting good legal counsel, getting good financial counsel, and then going on with the rest of your life enjoying it. Well, you know what? One of the things I've seen, and it happens more than you might think, you've got somebody maybe 60 years old and they had this benefit or whatever for years and they put their mother, their father as beneficiary on it. Now they're 60 and their their parents are 90 <laughs> and we got a 90-year-old beneficiary who may not be mentally competent. And, the, and you know, the, one of the things you learn in this business, people don't always die in the right order. Very true. So, sometimes a 60-year-old 
daughter dies before the 90-year-old father. You just never know, and you got to be prepared. Yeah, no, it's, it, life is uncertain. You need to, be, you need to have a plan. Um, interesting you mentioned that. I had a, a woman come in, and I asked her who her power of attorney was, and she told me her 93-year-old mom who didn't drive, and uh, I don't know if that was the right plan. So uh, clearly we, we addressed that issue right away and made sure we found somebody that was more capable of taking care of that situation should it arise. Yeah, and mom could be on the power of attorney, but let's have a backup or let's have somebody else yeah, on it. Indeed. One of the cases we had a few years back, but we had an 87-year-old woman. She died. She left everything to her mother. Her mother was 104. Hmm. And a lot of the daughter's life savings went to pay for mom's nursing home bill. Yeah. And it wasn't the best plan because somebody wasn't carefully looking at, you know, the what ifs, you yes. know. And, and I see the same thing sometimes. You probably have seen it too. Sometimes you have beneficiary, maybe you have your, your son as beneficiary, and then the agent asks, well, who's the alternate? And you put down, well, my granddaughter, but granddaughter's only 10 years old. Right. And we got a problem with that if, you know, if the son passes away. Yeah. And often, uh, you know, being a, a loyal Brooklyn boy, although I'm Staten Island now, more years than I lived in Brooklyn, um, you know, I do often see we're going to list our oldest son as the beneficiary and he's going to take care of everyone. And they don't realize the complications of life and marriage and second marriages and all. And that could be a horror show. So we strongly suggest that they reconsider that and give them some guidance as to how they may want to. Yeah. Fix it. I, I've been seeing less of that, but that used to be the old Italian thing. Absolutely. We put everything in the oldest son's name, and he'll do the right thing. I can't remember how many times we used to hear that. He'll yep. do the right thing. And then he dies, and his wife says, thank you, goodbye. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, that's, Very you know, true. that's happened you Very know, more true. than a couple of times. Yep. So you know, The thing is, good planning always looks at the what-ifs. I, I don't think you have any disagreement with that one. Now, we use the term, uh, and I use it in my personal life as well as my business life. I hate the term, had I known. I think it's one of the worst phrases you can say is, had I known I could have done this differently or had a choice in the matter. Uh, so we try to take the had I known out of it. And it's really just getting the good information, seeking out the information and making sure that you're getting the guidance uh, to to make the, the appropriate decisions. And then occasionally review those decisions and see if they need to be ad addressed or updated. So we mandate uh, that we have an annual review with our clients that is just as uh, in depth as the first review with it we have with them. Have you had any children, any grandchildren, uh, any special needs in the family, anything that we need to know about? And you would, you would scratch your head because you would say, aren't you the investment guy? Well, if I'm doing the right thing for you uh, uh, overall, I not only take care of your investments uh, and the taxes on those investments, but I also take care of the structure of how you're setting it all up so it doesn't all implode at some point. Uh, you may have uh, accumulated a lot of wealth, but because it wasn't titled correctly or the legal work wasn't uh, uh, formulated correctly, uh, it all implodes. And what good is that? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of times what happens is people, they have everything set up and then their uncle, aunt dies, leaves them some investments and they don't get around to taking care of it. Right. Yeah. You see that often. Often. And one of the things I have to compliment your office on, uh, we work fairly closely when you do a trust for someone, you suggest that they give us a call, and then I look at their assets and see what needs to be retitled into the trust. But I can't tell you how many times when we meet with a uh, prospective client for the first time and we ask them, have they done legal work? They usually um, kind of puff up a little bit very proudly and say, oh, yes, we've done all this work. We did it a couple of years ago. And I go, well, then why am I looking at about $3 million worth of assets that haven't been changed in terms of the registration? And when I get in touch with the attorney, they say, oh, yeah, they were supposed to take care of that, but there was no follow through. And I don't fault the client so much. Uh, I fault the professionals for not making sure that they at least understand it to the degree they do and need to address it. And I do have to compliment 
compliment your office because they do a very good job of making sure that that gets taken care of. And then we support in making it happen by doing all the re-registration. Our staff is prepared to do all that. Uh, we understand exactly how it needs to be done. You made a very good point. Now, I spoke to someone just the other day. His mother set up a trust, but he, she did not. For whatever reason, she did not put the deed of the house into the trust, so we got to go through probate. And a trust by itself does accomplishes very little, if nothing. You have to transfer the assets into the trust if you're going to take full advantage yep. of of the trust provisions or whatever. In other words, if if you have you know a trust, you own a house, you don't deed the house into the trust. Well, that house goes through probate. If you have investments and you don't transfer the, the, the title of the investments into the trust, the trust does not affect those investments. And a lot of people don't realize, and then sometimes they come in and they say, can't you list the, the investments in the trust? Sure, we can do that, but you got to change the title. You have to change the title, and you also have to be mindful of the taxability, potentially, for making that change in title. So we get in front of that and making sure that we understand what the cost basis is on changing these assets and ensuring that the institution that is making the change will not be issuing a 1099 as a surprise, which will happen you know, a year later, and then all of a sudden you have this large tax bill. So we jump in front of that and make sure that we understand the taxability, if there is a taxability, on the conversion of those assets. And often there is, particularly when you're dealing with annuities and, and, and um, investments of that sort. So uh, we um, go out of our way making sure that that is not a surprise. We get in front of it. But we also follow up to make sure that the cost basis after the change has been made has been captured so that, uh, uh, you know, in, in light of a- anything that may change or if they need to touch those assets in between, they're taking their original cost basis, which can you know reduce their taxability considerably. Bill, where can somebody contact you? Well, our office phone number is 718-967-3106. Uh, the website is marco, M-A-R-C-O, W-S-G.com. Can you repeat that again? Because, you know, if you're like me, you don't write that down right away. <laughs> Be happy to. Uh, the office number is 718-967-3106. The uh, website is marco, M-A-R-C-O, W-S-G. We have an office in Staten Island. We have an office in Garden City, Long Island. Okay. And again, if anybody out there, you know, you're listening to our show, you call our office, we'll give you Bill's contacts if you forget about it. If any of our clients out there want to see Bill in one of our offices, uh, he he comes to you. You know, he'll come to one of our offices and talk to you. And he does that all the time. And we thank him for that. Absolutely. No, no cost or obligation. Bill Marco, thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you, Mike. This was fun. Well, I guess we learned something about, you know, Staten Island history. Mike, did, did you know that about, uh, did you know about Santa Ana and uh, Garibaldi and so forth living in Staten Island in the 19th century? Actually, the party started there. Uh, just a little bit, but uh, obviously clearly not as much as uh, Joe Borelli does. Uh, Joe Borelli seems to know a, a whole lot about it. Now, Beth was talking, we're going to have a fundraiser in our house on August 10th for Nicole Maliotakis. And Nicole Maliotakis was the member of the assembly who represented this part of Brooklyn and parts of Staten Island. Let me ask you something. She's going to run for Congress. Who's going to run for her seat? So it's funny that you ask, Mr. Connors, because I have actually filed with the state, uh, opened up a committee uh, looking to run for the 64th Assembly District. Uh, I've filed about uh, last week. Uh, right now, I'm getting myself out there to different events, started fundraising. Uh, and a lot of things have happened in Albany in the past year that have uh, sh- uh, shaped my decision to run. Uh, the cash bail reforms that they put into place, uh, they're now passing a new law 
where within 15 days, uh, prosecutors are required to hand over witness information to the defense attorneys uh, where they were not allowed to before and make witnesses available. Uh, so wait a minute. I'm accused of murder. You got to give me the, the witnesses are going to testify against me. That's right. Actually, okay. that's right. And it's it's really it really harms the criminal uh, the prosecutor's role. Uh, in, in in being able to protect certain witnesses and giving them incentives to come and cooperate with us because a lot of times we would get victims that would come to us and say, you know, hey, Mike, I want to testify, but I don't want them to know who I am. And I would say no problem. We put them in the grand jury. It's a secret proceeding. And only if the case went to trial, we would be, be, we'd be revealing that. And 99% of the time, as you know, cases don't go to trial. And now we're required to make them available to defense. So I ask you, who's going to want to cooperate now? Uh, with, with, with that requirement. So uh, these are just some of the some few of the things that are the reasons why I'm running for this seat. Okay, well, you know, good luck to you. Thank you. Guys, remember, election, elections are, you know, next year. It's going to be a big year in 2020. Yeah. Thank you and Beth, much. we talked about the, the Catholic war veterans, you know, showing up at the uh, conservative know, party dinner. But we did lose one of one of the uh, me, one of the great guys of the Catholic war veterans, John Keyes. He passed away fairly recently. And uh, he was the he was the gentleman who first got me involved in the Catholic war veterans. I don't know how many years, maybe about 20 years ago. So, right. John, you know, John passed away. Best to his you know, wife sad. and family. Very, very, our love go, goes out to everybody. We were with his wife yesterday and she said she that they would listen to Joe Piscopo every morning so I told her that I would pass it along to him just no better people no better people than than those Catholic war vets Mike I'm so I'll be forever grateful that that you got you fellas got together and again thanks to Joe Piscopo for showing up that night at the uh, conservative party and we have to you know we didn't talk about some of the people behind the scenes Frank Volpe Lori Schaefer they were there too and we want to thank them from a bottom of hearts for for being involved with Salem and for coming out to the conservative party dinner well I think thank you all I think uh, Mr. Kincaid is telling us it's time to go home you've been listening to Ask the Lawyer with me Mike Connors accompanied by my wife Beth bye bye everybody to sing this song away we are gathered here on hallowed ground the voices raised heads bowed down we're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away we are gathered we are gathered here on hallowed ground the voices raised heads bowed down we're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. 
The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.